Avengers! Hello everyone and welcome to Excelsior, the world's number one Marvel's Avengers podcast and your seasonal Spidey review show. I'm your host, your director, excuse me, forgot my title, Christian Buckley, joined as always by the Apex legend, Jack Martin. Excelsior Christian, how you doing? Doing good. You know, lots of Marvel stuff this week. This is a show about Marvel games, mostly. But we got DC Fandom in just two days, Jack. We got we're gonna see some new Batman games. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm glad you mentioned it because this is certainly a Marvel show. Mm-hmm. But boy, howdy, are we excited for whatever they got in store at DC Fandom? I want to go to the dome. Of course, I think it's virtual again. But like new Batman trailer, which if it's still coming out, it's coming out on my birthday. Like, come on, I'm very mm-hmm. excited for that new gotham knights information i don't really care about the rocksteady suicide squad game but i'm certainly interested so there's just a lot of good stuff happening this weekend and as an observer i am very excited me too you know and obviously we got some exciting marvel stuff coming up but dc was king for video games for a good while with Mm. the arkham games so in a post avengers post spider-man uh pre-post Guardians of the Galaxy world. I'm excited to see uh, what DC has to continue the superhero game trend. But uh, this is, like you said, a Marvel show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. With this specific game, Marvel's Avengers, not so great news uh, from the community. Alongside some MCU talk, a hefty helping of MCU talk. And of course, our Spider-Man review series continues with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, but before all that, Fury's report, as we do. Jack, I have the marketplace here. For now, in Fury's report, we're just going to treat the marketplace like it's the normal thing, and we'll save the marketplace discussion for Stark Realities. How's that sound? Sounds excellent. Okay. So, currently, it's October. Jack, you wanted you wanted some, some festive things in Marvel's Avengers last year and this year for October. Mm-hmm. What would you do if I told you this game has an October-themed event? I'd be sh- sorely disappointed, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> the outcome. Yeah, because no pumpkins. Not a single no. pumpkin. <laughs> uh, you- you'd think, well, all the studios they have access to at Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics, and now, supposedly, with Microsoft, you think one of them has a pumpkin asset they could just throw their way, you know? Not a single pumpkin asset in this game. Still no. very hurt by that, personally. You know what is in the game, though? What's that? Nameplates for that Patton Oswalt uh, Modoc show that made me want to... Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I did... <laughs> did not like that show. Uh, Modoc was the villain, kind of, of the launch campaign for Marvel's Avengers, and because Modoc got a show, of course, they did a crossover event. There's a new mission chain for... Modoctober. That's the seasonal event. That's the October event we got in this game right now. Are you happy? No, but uh, I guess this is fine. Uh, how often do you forget that Modoc was in this game? Because all the time. I, <laughs> I read this blog today. And I was like, right, he was the like what you said, pretty much main villain of this game, right? A- aside from Monica. 
Yes. I forgot about that. It's been a year since I played the campaign, and his his lingering presence in in this post campaign content is next to none. So, <laughs> I uh, I I I get reminded every once in a while that he was kind of the big bad. Yep, he's in the game. You wouldn't know it, but he's in the game. <laughs> um, and now, if you want to run a Modoc mission chain, which I didn't look into, I would hope and wish and assume that the modok mission chain is fighting modok in the game because modok is a boss fight in the game but unless you do the whole reassemble replay i don't think you can just fight modok and i doubt they'd break that out just for this meme of a month thing so like don't know what it is it's probably getting kills in war zones but uh that is currently what you can get if you log in this week but this weekend jack Double XP has returned. Dude, I miss double XP or quadruple XP, whatever it is, almost every time. Because I'm going to be doing something this weekend, and I will not be able to to play, really. So it's a little unfortunate, but that's good. Yep, I, um, I messed around with the quad XP event the final time, like, couple days it was up. It was nice. I worked on Black Panther a little bit, ran through War for Wakanda with a friend of mine, but since Double XP is returning, I might pop in, I might not. I've been playing a lot of Metroid Dread, so like, I got other things to worry about right now in my game time, but if none of that is interesting, if you don't want to actually play the game, if you just want to spend money on the game, which, hey, not here to judge. But in the marketplace right now, the featured items, not new, but returning featured items, Captain America and Iron Man from Endgame. I own one, you own one, don't we? Um, I own both, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I got the uh, I got the cap skin. It really, really tempted me, so I got it. And he's like a secondary. And of course, Iron Man was my main until very recently. It's still, he's still one of my mains. And I uh, really love the endgame suit, so got both of these. They're great. Yeah, uh, I was tempted to get the Iron Man suit, but I uh, I really do enjoy that that classic Iron Man 1 skin. And once I end up having some credits, because God knows at the moment I'm not going to give their, them my money, um, I, w- I would enjoy having an Iron Man skin just for the front page look. We can get oh, all yeah. the MCU looks, you know. Uh, can you clarify something for me about sure. this? this whole featured idea of the marketplace Mm -hmm. these are always sold right no matter if they're featured or not like last week i could have gone in and got the cap endgame skin so i believe yes i think at first it was implied that the mcu skins would be leaving the shop at some point but it doesn't seem like that's the case anymore I'm not 100% sure. Because last week, Iron Man 1, Iron Man, it wasn't featured, but I could buy it if I wanted to. So, like... Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's strange. It It's kind of silly. I think it's just a way of them tr- trying to, you know, gauge more interest in these skins. These are, like, from... You would imagine these are very successful, so I think they're just sort of oh, yeah. spotlighting them. And also spotlighting them at a time where nothing else is going on in the game, really. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I just think that's funny. I agree. Well, when it comes to updates for the game, we got a few things for update updates. 
Uh, according to Crystal, we've lined up fixes for various bugs, including texture mapping and clipping issues on various outfits, which shows up as blocky black parts on outfit details, and a bug where Hawkeye's sword was permanently stuck to his hand. It's okay, it's okay Clint. You can put that away now, is the editor's note there. Um, Did you ever encounter that? Not the Hawkeye thing, but the blacky, blocky stuff, yes. Mm. I think... Um, in War for Wakanda, I had some cutscenes at the castle throne room base of operation in my Avengers 1 Captain America outfit, and he was very blocky around his, you know, hitboxes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I may have seen that one. Definitely not the Clint one, though. I think that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't played much Hawkeye lately because he's basically 5150 for me and I have no reason to play him and I max out his challenge card, but that is funny. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> that's a great image that they yeah. put. They also said, we're currently working on allowing each hero to be able to obtain an exotic every week in Omega level threat family reunion rather than just once per account, which is something we all wanted since the weekly exotic drops were introduced to be tied to a single care a single account rather than a character so glad that's still front and center it's good news i wish i could finish the omega level threat with random people i tried i'm going through with my thor who is now 150 and i uh you know he's very powerful i i followed your trend and pretty much maxed out his valor so his r1 l1 his ultimate is crazy but I still get hit, like, and die in one hit. And I jo joined with a bunch of randoms, got through to the actual end of the mission, and we died once, and two of them left. Died another time, that second-to-last person left, and then there was just me and some dude who was an absolute tank and would knock it down and would revive me all the time. And we didn't, we didn't even finish it. And I spent, like, 40 minutes doing it. So uh, I was very tempted on of tweeting that the omega level threat is one of the worst pieces of content i've played because <laughs> i genuinely think <laughs> it's up there i do not enjoy my time with it i think it's needlessly difficult um yeah. but if you can go through this that's good <laughs> yeah for sure and i mean maybe it, the, if you and i are teaming up like we will be at some point i'm sure in gotham knights cleaning up gotham if you and mm -hmm. i unite again here in this piece of content, I'm sure we would be able to keep our head above water like we did that first time. I know we kind of got carried a little bit because there were like three Thors, but <laughs> I yeah, think we I, could have a shot, you know? I mean, yeah, we we walk in with our Thors. We meet a, another couple of Thors. We just spam the R1 ability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that thing's going down pretty quick. Oh, for hopefully. sure. And the last update for update updates is that they're working on several dev blogs at the moment. Stay tuned. Uh, vague, but I think that's a good vague statement, you know, just to announce that, hey, we're going to have a lot of different specific developer blogs coming up because usually the dev blogs in the past have been tied to specific new pieces of content, War for Wakanda, um, the Tachyon events, the Red Room events, usually whenever there's anything on that scale, 
and we know there is some substantial content dropping for the rest of this year so maybe a spider-man dev blog a raid dev blog maybe an update about wasteland patrol um the gear rework i think all of those things are likely to get their own showcases and i doubt we would see a video presentation for any of those things maybe spider-man but even then that could be a tweet you know yep and i also think maybe sometime before the end of the year or maybe at the beginning of 2022 we'll see an an even more updated roadmap of what's happening throughout 2022 so i think those are all possibilities for sure well, Jack, we teased it earlier. Why don't we move on to Stark Realities? Because there is a stink around this game at the moment. And uh, I, I've seen a lot of discussion on if it's a warranted stink, if people are sniffing a little too hard, or if this is genuinely like, oh, there's some some rotten, there are some hard-boiled eggs in the fridge, you know? Like, maybe there's something <laughs> something up. This This news feels like post-launch to hawkeye level avengers news where every week Mm -hmm. it was like oh my god why would you do this yeah and honestly i think we've we've had it too good and we just have to get uh humbled again because recently this game has been doing either okay to good and this Mm -hmm. is not that (laughs) so as it stands there's a microtransaction controversy in the game at the moment if you go to the War Table blog, if you looked at the featured section of the marketplace, if you load up the game and go to the marketplace, you'll see top left corner, you got Cap, you got Iron Man, the two skins we talked about, you got a few bundles, and it's been progressively growing, but this week, straight up the entire bottom half of the featured section are XP resource material boosters that you can use either the currency you're earning from challenge cards or paying for to buy these things to accelerate your progress in the game. People are upset with this uh, because currently there's really no massive reason that you would need these things, but we have to remember very recently they made a shift to the rate at which we earn XP. I think the community had a good enough time since that change was implemented to realize that the XP was not nerfed that much. Like I kind of barely notice a difference when I'm grinding my characters, but it is coming after an XP dishing out nerf, you know? So that's not a great look. And we know gear rework is coming presumably later this year, and the way gear rework is going to work is that you're going to have to use your resources and filaments and whatever you're earning through opening crates, killing enemies, doing missions, to upgrade your gear to the max level score. And both the XP catalysts and the other boosters for resources and filaments and whatever else there is are basically allowing you to pay money to spend less time grinding them and people are upset we can get to the specific quote that maybe makes this a little worse in a second but out the out the gate jack how do you feel about the fact that these are in the game at the moment 
Well, they kind of snuck it in, didn't they? Like, these were revealed a while. Like, the Hero Catalysts were revealed, like, a while ago, a few months ago. Or, or at, at some point during this year. And they were free, and they just sort of gave them out once a week. And I think they still do. Um, but last week, in the blog, they were just like, oh, yeah, we're selling these now. And it was kind of just thrown out there. And on its own, I don't really think it's that big a deal. Because, like what you said, even when they changed the XP rate, which was entirely needless, as we talked about when that happened, mm-hmm. I don't think it was that big a deal at the end of the day. It didn't really feel like that demonstratively different of a change. So there's really no need to go out of your way to buy these. So I'd certainly recommend people not to buy these, because you don't need to. It, they're, it's completely useless. Um but if this was on its own, I really wouldn't have an issue. The issue I have with this, and I think the reason a lot of people take issue with this, is the fact that earlier this year they changed the XP rate, and they said that they would never include pay-to-win microtransactions in this game when they first revealed it. And they've kind of gone back on their word. I feel like if they said, if, if they were a little bit more forthright and said, look, we know we said this in the past, but, and and maybe gave like a good excuse of why these are paid in the shop, then maybe it, it would be okay. But they sort of purposely ignored discussing the reason they added these at, a, at the payable level. And this week, I thought it was very interesting that they chose not to discuss any of the backlash that they've received mm-hmm. from adding this. Like they've completely ignored that. Um, and that sort of stuck out to me. Like, why not, you know, sort of justify your rationale or remove this? You just completely ignored it. And I think, honestly, that kind of what might make this a bigger deal. Yeah. So at a baseline, I don't have an issue with what these things are, right? Because like I said a moment ago, what you just said also, like the XP rates, we've been dealing with the modified versions of them for months at this point and they're fine you know like i don't feel like i have to grind an extra 10 hours on top of what i would have done before to get black panther to where thor is right like i think that's manageable so i'm with you i think these are unnecessary i don't think you need to buy these but avengers is a popular game uh it's a popular ip at least and the game did sell well it's on game pass now so it's reaching a wider audience a lot of people of various different free time owners are going to be playing this game, right? So I think similar to what Ubisoft did with Assassin's Creed, which is a primarily, sing- or it is a single player game, um, they sold XP boosters for that game as well. And I didn't have a problem with it there because as someone who's playing through, I think Odyssey is when they implemented that, I did not feel I was missing out by not earning xp at double triple quadruple rate and i didn't feel like i was having a lesser time for it and for the same reasons i feel that way about this in the game here what i will say is because at that reveal they did say there would be no pay to win strategies that's what makes this a, a bit of a stinker i think um and i've seen people argue can 
anything in this game be pay to win if it's a pve game like pay to win is like naughty dog factions of the ps3 where like the best gun is three dollars in the store you know like that's pay to win so i see that because technically there is no win scenario here like i guess you could say oh when you hit 5150 you win but the typical definition I can understand why on their side they would think that maybe they didn't go back on their word, but because they did say something that could be interpreted as this going back on their word, uh, yeah, they should probably say something. And Because I, I think, like you're saying, the silence is making this a problem when if they either apologized or backpedaled or said, we need other revenue streams for this game to continue. Um, I think the perspective I have on this would probably be more understandable for other people as well. Yeah, this I I really didn't start paying attention to this news piece until I saw people on Twitter that I did not know played this game started talking about it and voicing their opinions about that and being upset. Um, and to me, that that just sort of shows like that this is another instance of a developer sort of like going back on their word and sort of making a bigger deal where this shouldn't be a thing um i I really don't see the point of these being in the game and again on on its own i really don't care it's sort of the combination of changing the xp and saying that you weren't going to do microtransactions where this just seems really shady and in a sense like what you're saying like this is almost kind of manipulative of players that maybe don't know how quickly it takes to get through characters xp and like go through all their skills so maybe they jump into this game every once in a while and now they're seeing that they can you know get through their skills a lot quicker with these xp rates and i don't know it's it's just these are entirely unnecessary and buying these really doesn't get you that much of a deal i throw on these the free hero catalyst that they throw out like every once in a while and i barely notice a difference like barely notice mm-hmm. a difference so for people to spend credits on this is kind of upsetting because like you, you really don't need to i guarantee you won't notice that big a difference sure and i will say for like the parents that like play the games that have very limited free time like you and i have over 200 hours in this game right so mm-hmm. if they could spend a couple bucks and in their limited time be able to advance more i don't see a problem in that right like i I felt the same way like i said with odyssey because it's not affecting competitive standings or anything like that um but yeah it is everything surrounding this like the xp change even though it's not bad um makes it feel worse because it's like oh they they nerfed xp and now they're charging for xp boosters like Obviously, if you look into the granular details of all of that, it's like not a major reason why this is shady, but there's other elements that stack up that we've discussed. So I don't imagine this is going to change, but the fact that it is kind of useless to begin with, I think... I'm not sure. I don't I don't know if there would be a benefit outside of the image or making saving face with the community for taking these out cuz like nobody's at a disadvantage. 
that these are in the game. It is just like you said, it's a bad look. It's pretty manipulative. And they went back on a promise. Right. So. And again, I think if they were upfront about this and gave a reasoned explanation, I think it would be a lot better. Like, I use this example probably when the Hero Catalysts were first introduced of Battlefield after. I don't know the time frame, like maybe six months to a year after a new entry comes out, they release class shortcuts. So like if I really liked, if I was a newcomer to the game and I really liked being a sniper, I could buy a five to $10 shortcut where I get all of the scout weapons and equipment and stuff that, so I didn't have to grind for that. I honestly think that's fine because the game has just existed for that long and like you're getting newcomers facing people who've been playing the game for a year and are you know crazy leveled and you're trying to like compete against that i think that's fine after that certain amount of time and this is a similar situation but it's honestly even less so it's just xp boosters it's not like shortcut like it's not you're not buying a 150 thor for example um but I, i i feel like if they had a blog post and that just explained look we have a lot of new players because of War for Wakanda and a lot of the new content that has come out and will come out soon and this is a good way for new players to sort of get up to parity a little bit quicker with people who have been playing and it just honestly increases uh, the active amount of players who want to do high level content I feel like that would be a decent enough explanation to justify this but the fact that they're being very quiet is quite suspicious to be completely honest yeah, and I, I think maybe, like, the more rational people in the community would agree that, like, obviously these people are going to be pissed no matter whether you can pay for things in this game. Like, there's been that sentiment since launch with the skins. But I do think that this is easily justifiable. They just have to talk about it, you know? Um, and like you said, the fact that they're not even addressing it when the community is so outspoken about it is a bad look. So... Do you think by next episode recording we'll have an update on this story, or do you think that this is just going to be something we all end up forgetting about or continue being angry about in the coming weeks? I think this is probably something we just grow to live with. I, I don't... See, I mean, it's been a week. I don't really see Crystal coming out and pontificating about <laughs> this addition to the game, um, despite it... Like, you noted that the entire half of the shop, like the bottom half is all of these cosmetics. Like it is glaring. If you go into the marketplace, that's like half of the stuff you see. Uh, so it's very much in your face, which is unfortunate, but I kind of have a feeling they're purposely being quiet about this. And I don't, I don't think they'll, they'll talk about this. I think this didn't cause enough of a stink about this game that has really like, you know, there's, I think it, we notice this because there's really not much going on with this game right now. And if this came out during uh, War for Wakanda, I don't think it really would have garnered that much controversy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really don't see them commenting on this, which is unfortunate. I, I hope I'm proved wrong, but I don't think they're going to talk about this. Yeah, same. I, I hope they address this no matter what the response would be, but I'm not holding my breath right now. Yeah. Well... That's basically everything in Marvel's Avengers this week. So meanwhile, Jack, there's some things going on in the MCU. 
we got a brand new trailer for Hawkeye, the series coming to Disney Plus November 24th. I think they said the holiday series of the year or something like that. Um, did you watch this? I did. And it honestly felt like more of like an extended or different look of what we've already seen. But mm-hmm. I think this is a this was a fun trailer for sure. Yeah, I, I, we got some more banter between Kate and Clint than we had in the entirety of that original footage. Um which has me excited as somebody and you as well loves Kate Bishop. This is absolutely the Kate Bishop show featuring Jeremy Renner. <laughs> so mm-hmm. seeing them sort of elevate her a little more in this second um, teaser is, is nice and exciting. And she feels like she captures the role really well. And I'm excited to see them play off each other. But we got a reveal at the end that November 24th, we're getting not one but two episodes of the Hawkeye show. Dude, they are capitalizing on the holiday season with this show. It's very Mm -hmm. much like a Christmas-themed show, and from Thanksgiving Eve, which this November 24th is the day before Thanksgiving. That's so nice. You know, you, you get out of work that day, whatever, you get that whole long weekend off, you get to sit with two episodes of this show, and the thought that this will last you until December 22nd. It fills that Christmas time so perfectly. And that alone has me excited. Just to have that week-to-week um, experience where this is only six episodes. I think that's a great count for this show. Mm-hmm. And then five weeks after that, you just get to sit week by week with the episodes. That's so cool. And it's nice, too, because this is basically, you would imagine, close to feature length. So it's basically a Hawkeye movie dropping on Thanksgiving Eve, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I did realize, I was like, why is September 24th a familiar date? Why do I feel like I was trying to make plans for September 24th? September 24th is the same day as the Resident Evil film releasing. Uh, so <laughs> I, I might really? have to... Yeah, it comes out November 24th, because I remember I texted uh, my roommate from college who got me into Resident Evil. I was like, dude, we're seeing this, right? <laughs> I was like, what are you doing November 24th, the day before Thanksgiving? I'm sure you're not busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's going to be a fun week. Uh, like you said, capitalizing on the holiday season. Yeah. is Correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe answer this if it's a dumb question. Is Thanksgiving weekend like a movie weekend i don't know because chris like christmas weekend is which i think is baffling but the you know movies do well around there but thanksgiving is that a thing i I mean i definitely remember when i was younger like when i was very young my older cousins would usually take me and my brother to see a movie either like the day before thanksgiving or after dinner on thanksgiving because my family's weird we eat our thanksgiving meal at like noon and we're done by one so Dude, same <laughs> <laughs> well that's nice at least um yeah so may- maybe it is but I-, I feel like there are some movies i feel like i've seen like a, a trailer with vin diesel that's like this thanksgiving the muppet movie i think came out around then the reboot mm. so yeah there's a precedent but also, to, to have the nice like in-home experience with Hawkeye oh, yeah. on that holiday, 
and to mm-hmm. lead into Christmas. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Great vibes all around. There's going to be some pies in the oven when I'm watching Hawkeye, yeah, dude. dude. Oh, yeah. Um, so also, exciting. you pointed it out, but uh, it's going to be ending November 20... Sorry, December 22nd uh, because we're getting the two-episode drop. The following week is when Book of Boba Fett kicks off, so they probably just didn't want to overlap. Yeah, I, I think people were timing out the episodes on social media being like oh this the like the finale of hawkeye comes out the same day as book of boba fett but now we know that we have the two episode premiere coming out on the 24th to sort of give that gap so Mm -hmm. that's good and boy howdy i'm also excited for that that's gonna be good stuff yeah i i'm very excited for the show dude i i think hoping that it's the kate bishop show i think that this is going to be a pretty fun time especially because i love when a movie's backdrop is christmas so this is just going to be freaking sweet yeah and to me the six episode count i feel like is very appropriate for this Mm -hmm. type of a show it seems like a very confined story and i think falcon and the winter soldier was six episodes yes and i think that was a good count for that show maybe like one episode less but yeah, this is great. And to, to have the two-episode premiere, I think, will really help this because sometimes you get into that realm where it's like, ah, oh, the week really wasn't worth the wait. Um, but I, I think that having that two-episode drop will, will sort of ease back on that feeling if there is an episode that is a little slower throughout mm-hmm. the show. So, yeah, this is good stuff. I have a question for you. Do you think yeah. the two-episode thing and the Book of Boba Fett ending up being the reason probably why we have the two episodes to kick off uh, just because of scheduling. Do you think that there's a world where the end of episode two has a major cliffhanger? Like, did they plan for this to be a two-episode drop from the get, or is this just a consequence of, you know, the pandemic and scheduling and we need Book of Boba Fett out this year and we don't want to have overlap? So, like, is there a world where they know we're watching two episodes at once and then like is yelena gonna pop up at the end of episode two or is kingpin gonna show up and it's like we gotta wait a week now what that's a really good call uh i think a lot of it does come down to the book of boba fett stuff but it's certainly possible i think honestly in in one of these episodes whether it is the first one or the second one we'll have something that will be like oh gotta watch the next one Mm -hmm. so we will wait and see. But uh, jumping around at the dock a little bit earlier in November, we are getting another Marvel property. I believe November 4th is the release date of this one. Eternals. We got some runtime information, Jack. Yeah, we do. Two hours and 37 minutes, the second longest film in the MCU behind Avengers Endgame. Hell yeah. Sign me up. This this is, uh, I feel like this is the next big one. Mm-hmm. Eternals like has a lot of I was very like concerned about this being like I have no clue what this is um, then I saw Nomadland uh, directed by mm-hmm. Chloe Zhao who's mm-hmm. directing this movie and I'm like alright just based on the visuals alone I am all in on this and the trailers we've seen so far make this seem like a very epic tale and the runtime certainly uh, coincides with that idea so hell yeah man this is this is this feels like one of the bigger movies this year in terms of like big blockbuster spectacles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, put me in that seat for two and a half hours. I'm stoked for this. I wanted to see this in IMAX, but 
through conversations with a friend of the show, Omar, uh, who is also a film enthusiast, loves the IMAX theaters, uh, the closest IMAX to us has been shut down for a while. And Wait, the Jordan's Furniture? Yeah. You're kidding me. I, I, I don't think they're out of business, but they're not operating right now. That's so sad. I know, because his whole thing was he wanted to see Dune there, mm. and doesn't seem like it's going to be ready for it. I wanted to see Eternals in IMAX. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm just going to have to see it at my local theater. Cause... Yeah, that's so sad. I know. Imagine, listeners, a IMAX theater randomly in a furniture store. Yes. <laughs> because that's what this was. And to get to the actual theater concessions and box office, you have to walk through the furniture store. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that episode of Spongebob where he's walking home at night and he's like, I feel like someone <laughs> wants to sell me something. It, that's yeah. it. <laughs> you know? And remember the escalator that you go up and yes. there's like, there's pictures of uh, moviegoers with cameras and there's like flashing lights on their mm-hmm. camera. It's so, it's a very, it, it feels like something out of, the 90s or like the it just feels like it doesn't belong but it's Mm -hmm. so right it's so right jack i was scarred in that lobby once because i was very young i forget what movie i was seeing there but um i was in line and then there was a i was probably like it opened when i was young and i remember going to like one of the first things they showed there it was probably like the astronaut film or like one of the stock movies they were like yeah this is an imax movie yeah it was like a snowman thing i think um Mm. but in the lobby when i was like this very short tiny little child there was this poster that went to the ceiling and it was like a holographic like you tilt it and you see different things it was of a titanic thing and the hologram was titanic above water ruined titanic below water Ooh. and i think that ignited my fear of the ocean I think that was what what did it. <laughs> yeah, it's not something you want to see as a kid. No, uh, it's not. I do want to see uh, Turtles, this, though. <laughs> yeah. Th- that IMAX theater, I went to see Dunkirk there. Mm. And we sh- I showed up really early and went to uh, a nearby mall to just, like, get candy because I wasn't going to buy candy there. Mm-hmm. Got back, unfortunately, very late. Sat front row for that, mm-hmm. for that show. It was tough. Very tough. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to Eternals, I I was worried in the past, but like you said, saw Nomadland. Um, I think I'm gonna be bold because I can be. I think this has a shot of maybe being the most impressive, like best film in the MCU. Because mm. I like a lot of the directors that have worked for Marvel, but I feel like Chloe Zhao has like the chops. To be like, oh, this is, this is drama. Like, this is interesting, you know. Cinema. Yeah, not not to be like a <laughs> not to be like old Marty about this, but I think that this has a shot of maybe be like genuinely telling a very human dramatic story with these godly characters, and the fact that they're doing like Godfather style. There's a story that happens in the past about their origins, and there's a story that's happening like post endgame in modern day i i think the epic scale chloe Zhao as a director could all come together beautifully and make this one of the most impressive films in the mcu yeah 100 percent. and i feel like this 
movie in particular feels like the kicking off point post Endgame, like what you're saying. Like we we have uh, Shang-Chi, obviously, but that was very much centered in its own sort of story and didn't really connect too much to the greater uh, MCU. But I mean, this is a two and a half hour movie and they're already talking about Thanos in the trailer and like the uh, the ramifications of what happened in Endgame. So it really feels like we're we're starting the rest of the MCU mm-hmm. behind this movie. And that has me very intrigued. Yeah. Honestly, I think I'm media blackout at this point. I don't want to know mm. anything else about this movie. I want to be shocked. I want to walk into that theater, walk out praising Angelina Jolie and the Marvel Studios production. You know, like I want to be sh- surprised. So, dude, this movie's in three weeks. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Kind of snuck up on us. It really did. So, uh, one last little Eternals tidbit. They did say, I think Chloe Zhao directly said this that. There are two post-credit scenes, of course, as you would usually expect, and both of them, she said, are very, very, like, interesting, integral, full of, like, a big surprise that people will be shaken by, I think was her paraphrasing, but, um, yeah, I, I think we could maybe see some some connections to stuff we know in these post-credit scenes for Eternals. I think so. I think so. A lot of people have been speaking about the imp- implications of what uh what they're discussing in terms of like the emergence or whatever mm-hmm. so should have some good stuff in there oh yeah jack eternals is so close but do you know what's far away and maybe it might even be farther away what's that uh secret invasion mm. the disney plus series currently samuel l jackson is filming for secret invasion uh, which is going to be a pretty major, uh, I'd say, event for the MCU, considering what it is in the comics. Would you agree? Oh yeah, big time. It's gotta be, gotta be big. Yeah. So the reason I say it's far off is because I believe it was given a 2022 or three window from that initial reveal event. But currently, because of the uh, IATSE strike that's going on, both this and Mandalorian may get delayed shooting 90 days. Interesting. I actually didn't know about the strike. Yeah, so I haven't looked into it entirely, but it's the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees are going on strike uh, starting on Monday the 18th, uh, trying to, you know work out something with the motion picture and television producers um, for pretty major studios, Disney's included in there. And because of people who are, you know, staffed on these productions and Marvel and Star Wars productions are Disney productions, uh, looks like these will be put on hold, which solidarity with the workers. Oh, yeah. But just be aware that we might see some more delays for some projects. This never struck me as a 2022 movie or um, series. Mm-hmm. but now that you're saying that both mandalorian season three started filming recently and apparently this did too mm-hmm. mandalorian i'm hoping is like a november december release like it traditionally has been mm-hmm. in this if you, know, you don't want to judge like the timing because like the productions are probably different but you would think like it's a season of television it it might be around a similar time frame but 
I I have a feeling this might be like a early 2023 show, like a March situation. Yeah, I, I think that's a safe bet for now because like a 90 day delay in production is like some some productions shoot that long. Like that's their entire shoot. So right. um, we will keep tabs on this. We'll see how things develop. But I mean, there's already so many things that are either done or have wrapped for next year. Like, there's a ridiculous number of Star Wars shows hitting next year, so Disney Plus will not be starved for content. So, just wanted to make everybody aware that some of these might be a little further out than you were expecting. Yep, good to know. You know what also super far out? (laughs) What's that? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Is that a 2023 movie? It is. I believe it's May, which May is great for Guardians. May is perfect for Guardians. That also feels like way further than two years from now yeah dude i mean when when you get this thing revealed when you get guardians volume 3 revealed in 2019 and they give you the made-up year that's 2023 Mm -hmm. and then you have a year and a half of a pandemic pretty much locked inside your house like things are gonna feel a lot closer like suicide squad the game is supposed to be next year (laughs) like when that was revealed that was like that's not a real year like things are wild but yeah, t- 2022 is just starting to become a real year, year. Mm-hmm. and people are accept- accepting, oh yes, 2022 is not a far off futuristic year. That's next right. year. 2023, right. still a fake year. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, James Gunn's been all over, uh, you know, his social media is posting a lot of uh, storyboarding. Have you seen his Instagram feed lately? Um. I don't think I've seen his Instagram. I know he's very active about dismissing sort of made-up mm-hmm. rumors and things like yeah. that on Twitter. But since August, like post The Suicide Squad, obviously he's been sharing a lot of stuff for the Peacemaker show he's working on, but he's also finally talking a lot more about Guardians. I He goes in on storyboarding. Like he had a stack at least two feet tall of storyboards for a specific set piece for Guardians 3 that he just showed the stack very impressive but outside of that since he is in the guardians mood now like you said he deconfirms things he confirms things that people are rumoring them recent rumor adam warlock who we all expected to show up at some point in this trilogy is going to be in guardians 3 and will be portrayed by will poulter yeah, explain this guy to me, because you you are a big fan of this, and I he's one of those guys where's like I've seen that face, can't place him though. So, let me start with what you might be most familiar with him in. Uh, have you ever seen the Jason Sudeikis comedy Where the Millers? Um, I've seen trailers for w- okay. Where the Millers. Okay. He is the the person playing the son in that group. Um, he's very funny. Uh, he was also in. I think Bandersnatch, like the the Netflix Black Mirror interactive thing. Okay. In the gaming sphere, you're familiar with uh, super massive games, Until Dawn? Uh, yeah, I never played Until Dawn. Okay. He was in the Until Dawn sequel series. He was in the... What's the... What is it? What is it? Oh, Little the Dark Hope. Pick, Pick... Oh, okay. That's a part of the Dark Pictures anthology? Yeah, this was the one from last year. So he's been around. Um, 
And the reason I'm such a fan of this is because I think he's a really good actor in everything I've seen him in, but everybody for their, like, Adam Warlock fan casting was like, Brad Pitt, James Marsden, um, the guy Zac from Efron. Fifty Shades of Grey, Zac Efron, like, there's a specific direction that a lot of people were expecting them to go with Adam Warlock. But I think this is kind of an inspired choice. I think he's a great actor, and considering the tone of the Guardians films, I think he's going to murder it with this cast. Yeah, again, I'm not very familiar with him. I'm reading through his Wikipedia. He was in The Revenant, which I saw. Don't remember his character in that. He was also in Midsummer, which scarred me, and I don't remember <laughs> his character in that. Mm-hmm. Um so like I've seen I've seen him in roles I am ju- just kind of blanking on him but mm-hmm. yeah these I almost like never get excited about castings uh, or like castings are usually just like all right whatever I guess we'll see how they are uh, aside from the uh, Mario movie which was just a lot of fun to mm-hmm. listen to that but sure like I'm excited to see his performance I think it's at least interesting that they're not going the I guess fan casty way like what you were saying. There was that rumor that James Gunn shot down where there was a some website reported that James Gunn was actively looking for a white man that looked like Zac Efron. And <laughs> James Gunn was like, no, <laughs> why would I have that written down as like the why wouldn't it was just really silly. So right. I, I'm, it's interesting that they decided to go with someone who is not like that sort of you know alpha male sort of you know whatever typical jacked sort of dude and he he went with the with this actor so yeah that's it's good stuff yeah and i i think the the presence he will carry with the ensemble is why i'm excited about it because like chris pratt already kind of falls into that chiseled leading man sort of look and um the way he carries himself and Adam Warlock is supposed to be this like godly figure. Uh, he was created by the race of gold people in Guardians too, right? Yep. Um, so I-, I think Adam Warlock, if Guardians 3 is James Gunn's final Guardians movie, if we retire a lot of the Guardians, I could see Adam Warlock be either the next roster leader of Guardians or maybe we transition to like a nebula leader or nova or somebody like that but i i think i could see adam warlock sort of be the final addition to this guardians family and maybe be the one who carries on the torch when most of these actors probably move on in their careers he i read the infinity gauntlet and i'm i'm kind of struggling to remember his character exactly i know he interacted a lot with the silver surfer who is mm-hmm. certainly not in the MCU right now but right. I feel like he kind of reminds me of, like, a Doctor Strange presence. Like, I feel like he will be pretty instrumental in, like, the team-up movies going forward and, like, the team-up projects. Like, Adam Warlock will be, like, a leader role in those sort of projects. So should be interesting to see how they set him up in this movie. For sure. Because I think the, the IP of Guardians of the Galaxy is very valuable to Marvel, and I don't see them leaving that behind if you know james gunn or chris pratt move on because those are big names and big names got big checks to sign so (laughs) 
We'll see what happens. Speaking of moving on, we have some interesting things to talk about when it comes to Spider-Man in the news today. Yes. Um, the segue was too good, but I will shout out there's a rumor that uh, Spider-Verse 2 is titled Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So that's cool. Yeah, it's a rumor. It seems very plausible, and I think that'd be a good title. Also, this movie's coming out next year. That's insane. Yeah, in like April, right? <laughs> like, Wait, really? Oh, that's amazing. I think that's so, amazing. yeah. I remember seeing the trailer for Into the Spider-Verse and watching it like 10 times in a row. Being mm-hmm. like, I cannot believe the movie looks like that. And I feel like I'm going to be even more hyped to see this trailer because I adore Into the Spider-Verse. Hell yes. But when it comes to moving on, the initial premise of the segue uh there's an article up entertainment weekly interview tom holland and the major takeaway from it is that spider-man no way home is the quote end of a franchise initial first reaction to hearing that jack this almost to me is kind of like a non-news story really i feel Mm -hmm. like we kind of anything that's spoken about in this EW article and interview with Tom Holland is kind of stuff we've kind of already come to know. Like, uh, John Watts had this trilogy of movies that he was directing, and then he was sort of moving on from Spider Man after that. And it seemed like I don't know if this was a rumor or a confirmation or just something that I think all MCU fans came to believe, but we were basically thinking that we would get the Tom Holland high school movie trilogy, the Tom Holland college movie trilogy and then the tom holland slash miles morales team up trilogy where he passes the torch (laughs) uh it kind of seemed like that was the trajectory of this and the fact that they're treating this trilogy as like a, a, a hard end with the possibility of coming back and doing some more stuff that that kind of just seemed like a given and i feel like they've already discussed that but it's good that they're at least sort of setting expectations to me at least setting expectations for how this movie is going to feel it feels like no way home will have some finality to it which it seems pretty nice yeah and just to clarify i believe the sentiment that you brought up about the three trilogies i think that was a rumor at one point and then it kind of just stuck with a lot of mcu fans and i mean even seeing homecoming in far from home a lot of the reason I defend those movies so hard is because the MCU plays the long game with everybody, and we've never had a deep, in-the-weeds look at Peter Parker in high school on screen, and doing a dedicated trilogy to that with a follow-up being more like the Spider-Man we know, like, building up to that point of, like, now he is the Spider-Man you all want. Like, I think that's very rewarding, character development because that's kind of the mcu's shtick is they're able to do that it's a tv show but it takes longer between episodes um so i i imagined they'd at least do a fourth spider-man movie if not a second trilogy for a while but then there was that rumor i think a year or two back that was like three trilogies um i think when there was the whole drama with spider-man sony marvel and uh, Tom Holland going on. I think that's around when those rumors began. 
But um, yeah, the direct quote that Tom Holland gave in the article reads, uh, we were all treating No Way Home at the end of a franch- as the end of a franchise, let's say. I think if we were lucky enough to dive into these characters again, you'd, you'd be seeing a very different version. Um, it would be no longer the Homecoming trilogy. So I want to stop there. When he says a different version, do you think he means like, oh, our characters became mature or like we reached a new point in our life and we're shifting the tone of what a spider-man movie is or do you think another version is like we all exist in the sony verse now like what which one of those is this it's the it's the former to me i think like a lot of people have sort of compared these movies to the the homecoming trilogy as he says are John Hughes, John Hughes 80s movies, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the sort of tone they took. They had a lot of, like, 80s-inspired music with, like, the Ramones at the end uh, of a lot of movies and just sort of lighthearted and fun and comedic. But I think what he's getting at is whoever takes the realm next after John Watts, the tone and direction would shift, and it wouldn't necessarily be as maybe lighthearted and jokey as the John Watts movies were, but maybe more serious, maybe more of a different kind of emotion and more of, more of a different direction than we're sort of used to with the John Watts movies. But I don't think I don't think he meant like we're we're jumping ship to a different universe. I think it's more so the direction of the movies will just feel a little bit different. I agree. Uh, he continues saying we would give it some time and try to build something different and totally change the films whether that happens or not I don't know but we were definitely treating No Way Home like it was the coming to an end and it felt like that Uh, there was also another quote that he gave about being very very emotional with uh, Jacob Adelon and Zendaya after their final scene so like there's rumors that Ned is going to be Hobgoblin so like maybe this is his last bout in an mcu film so maybe that would be sort of a reason for all those emotions and if the next time we see peter it's after having to fight and lose his best friend in ned i think like you're saying yeah like a shift in tone more serious more dramatic is probably likely and i think would be in line with a different version you know because if peter and mj in the next trilogy are like hey we were kind of responsible for everything that happened to Ned and he's maybe dead now. Like that could put some stress on them. And I think have a very different tone than the John Hughes style that we're used to with Spider-Man right now. Yeah. I think Spider-Man movies will go on forever until they stop making money. These are billion dollar movies, potentially more with this one. But I think the question is, what does that mean for Spider-Man in the MCU, especially with Sony? (laughs) Do doing very well with their sony spider-verse with venom and uh there was the whole debacle like what you mentioned with disney and sony and, and trying to keep spider-man in, in the mcu or sony was like we're making lots of money like i don't really know if we need you guys so that's a contention i wonder with the success of this movie that's surely coming i, I mm-hmm. wonder what that means for spider-man in the mcu um because that's still very much in question like the deal to get that one more movie which is ending up being this for tom holland and the mcu felt like it took forever and it felt like it was like a process so Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I don't know what that means financially and like business-wise, but we'll see Spider-Man again. It's just <clears throat> will we see Tom Holland in the MCU is the question. Jack, go with me. Mm-hmm. What if this different version, let's say, is the Peter Parker Spider-Man we know by Tom Holland gets brought into the Venomverse? Ugh. But go with me. Go with me. Yeah. In the MCU, Tom Holland plays Ben Riley. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm I'm already confused. Ben Riley, I think, is the No, I know. Scarlet okay. Spider, right? Yeah, yeah. Clone of Clone of Peter Parker takes on a different name. D- does Sony own Ben Riley as well as Peter Parker? <laughs> I don't know. We could yeah. maybe have a, a little discussion there. <laughs> That's a different version. Yeah. The thing is, I love Spider-Man being completely alone. It's part of the reason why I really like uh, two-thirds of the Raimi trilogy, is yeah. that he's very much like a Spider-Man-centric movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no like interaction with a greater MCU, which is good and bad in some ways, mm-hmm. but I do like him being alone. But at the same time, I like this Spider-Man that we already have, so maybe like the if there is an upcoming trilogy in the MCU being more focused on Peter himself and Spider-Man in New York or wherever he is and then just getting the team-ups every now and then and then him going on his merry way. I think that would be quite ideal for me. No, I agree. And I I think if you look at Spider-Man right now, right? Outside of the characters i specifically look at the actors and the draw of international box offices more so than domestic ones for a specific actor who do you think is left that would put eyes on a spider-man movie right because like robert downey jr iron man of course makes sense to market with these other things because he for the longest time was the face and especially internationally brought in so many eyes so like spider-man in chinese box offices if you slap iron man on that poster it's gonna do better because in china that box office loves iron man uh i'm struggling to think of anybody who would fill that specific role like spider-man seems like the biggest player right now and i get like doctor strange i think kind of gets to that level um and i can see why he'd be implemented here in the finale of this mentor partner trilogy but like moving forward i don't know who you could slap in a spider-man movie that would give people more attention to it because it's like it's already spider-man you know uh like what doc ock said it's self-sustaining now i think i think it's at the point now where like spider-man far from home was over a billion dollars it made and some people are speculating that this new one could potentially do even more (laughs) so like i don't know i don't i don't really know if you need i don't know if you need that those characters anymore to sort of like boost that you know yeah so i uh, that's what i'm saying i i think there's no more need to do that like i don't think anyone you add will make the movie do better unless it's it's other spider-man at that point right like yeah (laughs) um but interesting stuff spider-man final question is he staying in the mcu 
Yes, I think Spider-Man will still be in the MCU. I think this movie leaves off not ambiguous, but like maybe a little bit ambiguous where it's like, all right, Spider-Man can still exist in the MCU, but if business deals break down and Sony grabs him back like full control, then this movie like will still make sense. Yeah, and I think that's probably why they took the finality approach because like if things fall apart, it's like, okay, well, we had a conclusion and uh, I'm sure they could find somebody to elevate you know like they, they made iron man the big guy they could do it again yeah totally uh well that brings us to our spider-man in review portion of this episode jack today in our rewatch ranking discussions sam raimi's spider-man 2 not 2.1 it, it's pizza time it, it is, is pizza, time. pizza time so similar to last week i want to start your history with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Let's hear it. Sure. Uh, a bit less nostalgic for me than Spider-Man 1 was. I think this was kind of one of those movies that I didn't realize I I liked until like... Well, I didn't realize I loved until later on. I guess similar to... Not comparing it in any way, shape, or form, but similar to like Empire Strikes Back, for example. I always liked that as a kid, and it sort of just grew on me as i grew older i think this is kind of similar to that where i liked it as a kid i saw it in theaters i had the dvd loved the video game i think that was the big connection for me to this story uh but it wasn't until like really getting older where i really started to appreciate this more and i think like somewhat more recently especially with (laughs) this is like one of the more memeable movies in Mm -hmm. my existence and i love that for this like it's not it's not really as goofy as the first movie, but there's just so much that has has come out from this movie that is just memed in pop culture. So yeah, I feel like this movie's had quite the renaissance. I feel like very recently, and uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's just it's gotten a lot more appreciation these days, which I love. What yeah. about you? So like you, um, I watched Spider Man One so many times right like that is the one that has the warm fuzzy nostalgia feelings also like the color tone of spider-man one is very comfortable this is much more like color balanced and like it looks like it doesn't have a yellow tint to everything um but not as much nostalgia with this one growing up i discussed this with you after we talked last week but the version of spider-man 2 i had in my house was Spider-Man 2.1. And Spider-Man 2.1 is a bit longer, has some extended scenes, has a few extra scenes. And to me, when I was younger, my memory of this movie, because I haven't seen it front to back in like at least, at least like seven or eight years before this week. Um, I remembered as a kid just kind of being word of it and like not loving it and just like like enjoying it and liking it because it was another spider-man movie but like the slow parts of the downtime of him losing his powers and all that like as a kid it did not hit for me the same way the first one did mind you i was what eight when this came out (laughs) so like give me some slack but um having watched it this week i made sure we were both watching the standard spider-man 2 
the first thing I want to say, I think this movie is remarkably well-paced. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Compared to the jumping around of Spider-Man 1, where it's like, oh, it's Thanksgiving now. We yeah. we graduated high school a few scenes ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like this has a really great flow to it. it for yeah. it still being that two-hour mark, I believe. Yeah, so I, I think the reason I had a bit of not as much love for Spider-Man 2 in my mind is because 2.1 I'm not a huge fan of director's cuts to begin with unless it's like a drastically different movie and um yeah the director's cut of or maybe that's not what 2.1 is regardless the extended version um Mm -hmm. I I think hurt my view of the film as a kid because uh I gave this thing five stars on my letterbox I whoa you gave this a five star oh yeah dude this is whoa this is one of the best movies with a superhero in it, I think. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Christian, I didn't know you were going to, I didn't know you were going to land on that side. I am so, so happy. Mm-hmm. So happy. I, I really am with you. I think this movie certainly ages in some regard. And there are, cer- there are certain things in this movie that still don't work. The, uh, Peter and MJ's storyline still doesn't hit as hard as it should. It's definitely mm-hmm. better than Spider-Man 1. But oh, yeah. I think to this day, and we'll get to it when we get to the new Spider-Man movies, I think this is the best Peter Parker Spider-Man story on screen. It, I feel, perfectly captures what it really means for Peter Parker to have become Spider-Man. Like, you get the tension throughout the entirety of the movie where Peter cannot find any balance in his life, mm-hmm. and that is all what spider-man is about is like trying to do the right thing even if it uh even if it makes his own personal life like kind of miserable and that's what this movie's all about and i think it does an incredible job at conveying that yeah and i i think the review i wrote was like i said work life balance the movie because that's what it is and i think it's very funny um but they commit to that so hard right uh the first what 20 30 minutes is just like peter getting beat down time after time after time and i love that like the whole point of this movie is about uh finding your purpose your identity and looking for reasons to get up every day and at the start maybe we backpedal a little bit from spider-man one and peter's progression but i love the fact that for joe's pizza he is using spider-man to his own gain like obviously he does that all the time with the bugle but he's trying to keep his job so he's like all right screw it i'll be spidey i'll get this pizza there faster and it doesn't work out for him kind of bites him in the ass and sort of triggers a ton of other stuff so like initially the first thing we see spider-man peter parker do in the movie is a selfish thing for peter and we don't stop seeing the repercussions of that maybe indirectly but there's still ripples from that initial getting fired moment for like 20 minutes after that like it's just constantly like screwed you're you're stupid you're out of luck and i really really enjoy that yeah and you've you've as the viewer really feel that you get like you are with peter getting fired you're showing up late to class and being like 
He's like, oh man, I'm going to your class. He's like, dude, my class ended. And also your paper is overdue and I will fail you. It's like, ah. And then he goes to his apartment and he has his rent due. Like consistently, like scene after scene, like what you're saying, you're getting that, wow, Spider-Man may be like the hero of New York and people are treating him like that nowadays. But Peter Parker is living his worst life right now. And he is still committing to that hero role. Which is very admirable. For sure. Uh, before we move on beyond pizza time, though, I do want to say, I forgot to bring this up. When I went to New York uh, two years ago at this point, um, I made a point with my girlfriend. She was like, oh, what do you want to see in the city? Because like, it's your first time here. I was like, we're going to Joe's Pizza. <laughs> so I went. It was delicious. It was very good. It's quite good. Hell a lot yeah. of pictures of Toby in there. Oh, you got to imagine. You got to mm-hmm. imagine. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what, one of the things that I think I, I really appreciate that Spider-Man 2 as dramatic as, as, as it is and for the message and story it has about like just a very human struggle of finding purpose in your life at this age that Peter's at. Um, it's very relatable, but it's also still cheesy and campy like it's the best elements i think of the 60s outdated view spider-man peter parker of spider-man one some of that's in here and if it's overacted at times or if it's just nobody actually talks like that i think it's for the most part consistent with everybody outside of some of the peter and mj stuff which is toned down but the thing i wanted to say every fucking line that harry has i was laughing literally everything it's it's too i have nothing left except spider-man yeah nobel prize auto nobel prize and then when he's the the reception thing for jameson's kid and he's just like got his champagne on he's like no give yeah. me it <laughs> i want all of it like james franco uh i don't know if he was drunk on set the whole time but it sure felt like it <laughs> Yeah, he he's definitely like a caricature of a character. It's yeah. it's not the best. Uh, I do appreciate. I loved it though. I thought it was very funny. Yeah, it, it's definitely silly. I do appreciate uh, <laughs> when he left the meeting of Peter and uh, Doc Ock, mm-hmm. um, or Doctor Octavius. Like literally, like kind of broke the fourth wall. I was like, wow, he's kind of a he's kind of a character, huh? And mm-hmm. Peter was like, yeah, he's he's definitely weird now yeah but i like to your point about like the silliness i guess and like goofiness in a sense of this movie i feel like a lot of things about this sequel really ironed out like the zaniness of spider-man one which was fun but definitely noticeable i think the the comedy especially in this movie is one of those examples where the humor in this feels like really smart and a lot of it comes down to timing and like the comedic chops i feel like a lot of, of the actors we got to talk about pizza time mm-hmm. the whole broom closet incident is yeah. impossibly long in the best way mm-hmm. of <laughs> like you cannot believe that's going on forever and after this putz of a dude comes out of a broom closet with stacks of pizza and slams it on the counter with the confidence of someone who has just ran 
a marathon in record time says mm-hmm. it's pizza time who in their right mind would feel that level of confidence but peter parker it was mm-hmm. beautifully awkward in the best possible way and it deserves the meme status that it has now yeah and i believe it's i think that scene is longer in 2.1 yes I, it is <laughs> that's very funny yep. um so another thing i really enjoy comedically of course is some of the meme stuff but something that hasn't been memed i don't think that i do think is stupidly funny is when he breaks out the poetry for mj oh my god day by day or when he's like punch me i bleed like what does yeah. that even fucking mean like it does like i know what it means but like you cut you cut someone and they bleed like that's yeah oh man that whole scene in particular is just the the dialogue between them is very strange like he mentioned seeing her getting married like on a hilltop and at the end of the conversation she's getting in a taxi she's like i'm getting married at a church which is like for her to say like you're wrong about me but like just her driving away in a taxi i just think that is the funniest way to end a conversation yeah that is quite good uh i will say the thing that i noticed in the film that shook me kind of a tangent but in the the reception for jameson's kid um Mm -hmm. i was watching it and as she was coming down the stairs with jameson jr um i did a double take because the dude who's playing jameson's kid is one of the major players on the vampire diaries which i'm currently watching (laughs) kayla no way that's funny yeah and i was like i was like hold on what who he was an actor before that show um elijah is his name and i uh i was shocked to learn that he had lines in this movie (laughs) that's awesome yeah but a lot of a lot of tension a lot of struggle for peter when it comes to MJ, when it comes to his work, when it comes to being stopped at the door by Bruce Campbell, which I think might be my favorite piece of comedy in the movie. That is a great, that's another great example of of really great comedy. Um, mm-hmm. Like the three stops, and then he'd be like, oh, how may I help you? That's great. Also, did you know, I think this was like eventually, like, they didn't go through with this, obviously, but... In the storyboards of Spider-Man 4, Bruce Campbell was drawn as Mysterio. Did you know this? I did hear about that, yeah. So what made me think of that in this particular scene was him saying, he was speaking about like, hey, you're not allowed in the theater because like, or we don't want to open the doors because it helps maintain the illusion and i was like no way they were totally going to do that dude yeah that's really good i didn't even pick up on that that's awesome yeah that's cool also the line (laughs) where peter does a backflip over the car and the kids are like how'd you do that and he's like i eat my green vegetables that's what my mom's always saying i always Mm -hmm. love that that was a i think that was a trailer line i always loved that yeah that's fun um in terms of more of the drama in the film uh alfred molina of course great performances doc ock um mm. i do think 
I don't even know if I fully believe this, but I think the pedestal in terms of greatest comic book villains in movies of all time that Alfred Molina gets brought up to, I don't know if... Like, he's great, but I, I don't think he's the end-all, be-all. Because he is still, like, hamming it up. It's a very sudden jump from caring for my wife and like i think you can track his logic a bit better than you could with norman in the first one where we were talking like halfway through the movie it was like well you killed the board why do you want spider-man and i had that question as the movie was going on i was like why does he want to fight spider-man at the end it's like oh because harry but i I still think like he's 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 good he's really great in the movie but i don't think he's the reason the movie's great if that makes sense no i I think you're right i think he's leaps in terms of like character motivations leaps and bound bounds greater than the green goblin who (laughs) accomplishes his mission like very soon into the movie Mm -hmm. and just kind of is there for the rest of the movie whereas you have like a really great build with octavius and like seeing his like sort of uh tragic arc continue he does get very comic booky which i guess you can explain away with the arms taking over which i guess they're artificial intelligence i don't know if they explained that outright but that's sort of the sense i got um yeah and i feel like (laughs) the movie goes a long way of even making him more of a comic booky villain where he goes to a bank and (laughs) picks out bags of coins that should have just should have just had dollar signs on them (laughs) yes but i love that yeah it's it's ridiculous (laughs) The bank robbing scene, I think, is the only thing in the Sam Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy that is, like, I I think this entire trilogy, I maybe three isn't like this, but I think all of them is rooted in that original run of Spider-Man and its inspiration in terms of, like, aesthetics and stuff. Totally. And tone. uh, Definitely not when it comes to actual, like, story, but... I, this is like the only thing that's going for that vibe that works for me, I think, in terms of the cheesiness. It's like, man, Spider-Man is so much more and so much better than he was in that initial like 60s thing. Mm-hmm. But this one works for me. Like, the dialogue in all of them so far, not super great. The, uh, the whole cackling Norman and kind of weak quips in spider-man one does doesn't work perfectly but i do think the scene of he goes in in a trench coat and a fedora and glasses and then he takes it off and he's like ah, i got my arms and i'm taking the gold coins like that works so well for me i don't know why but i i love it i think it's perfect yeah it, it's silly i don't hate it the thing i actually really dislike about doc ock is his theme i really do not like it it's like very like the the brass section and it's almost like the silly like trumpets playing sure whenever he should i don't know it it really doesn't do it for me it's it's almost it's almost like unnecessarily comical whenever he it, shows up and it's like bong gong bong gong it's like it, what <laughs> it sounds like something that should be for rhino yeah it that's a really good point it it's very like bombastic in a in a goofy sense and i don't think it, it fits with this character yeah because I like I think that's the thing that I struggle with with Otto. Because like when we know Otto, he is this like very sophisticated person who's smart, and you're like, oh, he's gonna be some like methodical villain. Like he's gonna be 
he's going to be on that level. And then I, I think he never fully capitalizes on that initial um, impression we get of him when, like, he's having tea and conversing with Peter and his wife. Like, Doc Ock never gets to that level for me in terms of, like, oh, this is a, a genius. He has control over the room. He knows he's the smartest guy. And, I mean, you could chalk that up to, like, the arms took over his brain, but, like, I, I think if he was leaning into that, like, very clever Doc Ock, I would enjoy it more and be co-signing the way people act like him as Doc Ock is, like, top three villains in a superhero movie. Um, but because of all these other things, it, it keeps me from agreeing I think. yeah and while his motivations are definitely a lot better and more clear-cut than norman's were it was still very thin <laughs> in this movie where oh gotta <laughs> just do the experiment again but bigger uh okay <laughs> i guess yeah like, like he's in the that scene on the dock right and he, it seems like he's contemplating like offing himself mm-hmm. right and then the arm is like no and he's like you're right <laughs> we should build it again <laughs> like yep turns on a dime um but I-, I will say in terms of the visuals right like that entire sequence with the arms th- i think there might be even more horror in this than there was in spider-man one yeah there that scene in particular for sure and mm-hmm. i thought it was a great choice to have no music during it because yeah. it's there's there's no there's no tension in that like in that scene you just know that <laughs> you know exactly what's going to happen by the mm-hmm. beginning of that scene like you just know so there's no no tension so there's no music i thought that was great but yeah that that's definitely a i think so far that is the most horror scene we've seen in uh, in a spider-man movie there, there were a few jump scares in this too and i forget which one got me but there was like one that i like jenny was like oh <laughs> i forget what it was it might have been a goblin thing at the end or maybe it was uh something in the middle of the movie i don't remember but um i i think most of the cast though kind of fell into the role better like we were talking about with peter and mj but I, I still think the highlight of two characters in the acting of this movie that elevates it a lot for me is peter and aunt may with the the ben dialogue yeah like dude that's so emotional during those yeah yeah I, I think that scene it works real hard to elevate the movie to earn that five stars i think like there is that flashback or vision that peter has talking to ben again but just everything that's been building up to that point of him giving up spider-man him realizing what happens when he gave up before it led to uncle ben dying and then like confronting that that sort of is the turning point of him finding his purpose and his identity which i do think is a very relatable story um throughout the entirety of the film and that is the moment that really like ties it all together for me yeah yeah 100 percent um in the scene where Peter comes back and is talking to Aunt May, where the neighbor is, you know, talking about Spider-Man, mm. 
where I think she has the best, <laughs> like, line of dialogue, like, when she's, like, basically doing that whole speech. I think that's some of the best in the movie. Mm-hmm. Did you get the sense that she kind of knew oh, that yeah, she Peter knew. was Spider-Man? I think that's awesome. That was the first time I sort of picked that up on this rewatch, where, like, similar to Spider-Man PS4, where at the end of that game, Aunt May's mm-hmm. like, dude, I knew. I knew. Aunt May basically <laughs> goes on this whole rant talking about how heroes are important and, and all that sort of stuff she knows she definitely knew she just doesn't want to admit it she wants peter to keep his pride and i think that's so amazing yeah i i feel like that was always the intent like even when i was younger i feel like i knew i was like oh she she figured it out and she's like being that that voice of reason and like motivation for him yeah and then eases back when she's mm-hmm. like could you help me with this desk oh, don't strain yourself it's <laughs> like yeah. gotta gotta play cool mm-hmm yeah, it's pretty great. Um, what else is there? Oh, there's a lot. We we got to talk about the train scene. Oh yeah, I, I think in terms of like superhero movies and defining characters, I feel like this scene in particular really defines Spider Man. Like in a lot of aspects, the action is great between him and Doc Ock, but I th- feel like it's 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 especially the interactions with him and the new yorkers in the train um losing the mask trying to like uh think quick on his feet and i always loved um people's reactions to him where it's like uh like seeing his face being like he's no older than my son even though he looks like he's 35 he's 30 and he's like he's yeah. just a kid <laughs> yeah you get the you, you get the point though of like yeah yeah of what they're trying to say and uh I always thought it was really funny the kid saying, we won't tell nobody. It's not as ridiculous as I think it was. But just the whole emotions of that, of, of people sort of sticking up for him, I think that is, like, the most Spider-Man-ass Spider-Man scene we've seen so far. Oh, for, definitely, yeah. Um, the the train sequence is iconic for this entire trilogy. I, I think it's probably, like, the iconic thing for the trilogy. Yeah. Um, so much so that I'm kind of surprised that in the conversation for the no way home stuff like i don't think i ever brought this up to you but like in that trailer when he's in the the canyon desert Mm -hmm. area and he's on a train and dr strange is doing some weird thing with more trains like alfred Molina's is in the film like they're probably redoing the train i think in that movie could be that's a good point like i i'm just kind of surprised i haven't seen that discussed a lot because i i do think that is sort of central thing of this movie and it's kind of the main fight with doc right like there is the one on the clock tower which is great but this is the one that stands out as iconic you know yeah this this is the one i feel the the clock tower one is great but i i feel like there's a lot of moving parts in the best possible way whereas there is the action there's the think quick on the feet aspect of it and then there's the great emotions of the interactions with him and in new yorkers good stuff Mm -hmm. um there was another thing oh (laughs) i i said the movie has remarkable pace right i think it's even more impressive considering how many goddamn times they fade to black in this movie (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point yeah like and we have a whole sequence of him not being spider-man too yeah you think that would kill the pacing but it 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 helps the movie 
that sequence, Jack, even has a freeze frame. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful, dude. It is so amazing. There's a mm-hmm. whole song in this movie. You know, that's so good. Every time in my entire life when I hear that song, I think of this sequence. You have to, dude. I think you of the hot to. dog. The hot dog's the best part of that. The hot yeah. dog, the nonchalant bite of half of the hot dog. You have to imagine Sam Raimi was directing Tobey Maguire, and Tobey Maguire took a little bite. And insert Kylo Ren meme more. Mm-hmm. And then he kept going, more, more. And he kept just munching away until you get to the point where he eats like half this thing in one bite. It's amazing. Yeah, I, when when that happened, when you watched the police cars go by, I was like, that is me after I got the Spider-Man Platinum. I'm just in the city. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. not my problem. Nope. Um, but yeah, I, I think for everything this movie does with the Spider-Man No More stuff, like... It's just great, and I think that is the reason. I I think it's like a great movie, and that's why I said I think it's the best, one of the best movies with a superhero in it. Because I don't even think it's maybe the best Spider-Man story I've ever seen. But in terms of a like a movie telling a story, which just happens to feature comic book characters, whoever they be, I think it's just a re- very cohesive, complete, impactful story and message and may even be all killer no filler so i think i i think i think you're right i think this is still on that short list of when you think of those comic book movies where like this is different than like obviously all these movies are different like tonally but i think you're right this this is that sort of quintessential spider-man tale i feel Mm -hmm. like this really captures the essence of what it's like being peter parker in spider-man and you as the viewer like really feel that and they really nail that to- that tone of this movie and just the feelings that peter feels and that i think is they're, they're very successful in conveying that do you want to know maybe my favorite part of this entire movie yeah what's that uh definitely the thing i respect the most it's the very end the very triumphant Peter gets the girl, swings off, does this cool CG final swing through New York. And the final shot of the movie is Kirsten Dunst's best acting in the entire movie. Mm. I just the the excitement for the love she has for this guy. And then just it hits her and she realizes what she signed up for. And that's what they fade to credits on. I love that so much, Jack. That's so good. Yeah, and then Q Dashboard Confessionals Vindicated. What a great song, man. Kidding me? I mean, it's no uh, Chad Kroger, Nickelback, you know, but it's, it's... Sure. It's pretty good. No, but yeah, to your point, like, that just sort of hammers home, like, the entirety of what this movie was trying to say is that, like, being around Peter or being Peter is not... It is not a fairy tale ending. And, like, they started doing that where they literally showed her in her wedding dress going through like some new york park with the saturation dialed up to like a thousand where (laughs) (laughs) she's leaving her wedding she's leaving it for this dude in his shitty apartment and they could have ended it of him flying off with like the helicopter behind and that would have been it but yeah i think it was to your point like it was a really good job of or ending on that note of like the melancholic note of 
this is it. This is it. Like, this is certainly not a perfect life. I think that was brilliant. Like, genuinely, I have to think, but I think that might be maybe my favorite ending of a superhero movie. Like, maybe Iron Man and then this. Because, like, Iron Man for the hype, but, like, this mm. is genuinely, like, this is impactful, I think. Like, it's just, it's just, like, you're ending the sequel to this massive success of Spider-Man on his girlfriend who maybe she's regretting this maybe she is questioning like it's ballsy and i i think it was a fantastic move for this movie this reminds me of what's the movie that features mrs robinson um that's what i thought too the graduate yeah this 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 is definitely like a graduate-esque ending where yeah, dude you know to spoil this movie that's been out since the 60s or whatever they like they it's actually very similar they they leave the wedding that the girl was supposed to have and they run away and they sit in the back of the bus and they're smiling their faces off and then they sit on that shot for like 10 seconds they're like you get the sense they were like wow we just made a big mistake and this is the rest of our lives and that's exactly what you get for this yeah i thought the exact same thing and i'm sure sam raimi was inspired by that yeah definitely um what do you think of the i think looking at this movie in 2021 is very interesting because obviously i don't know like what the buzz was at the time but the scene right before the end of the movie is like three minutes of pure sequel bait with harry and the new goblin stuff yeah yeah how do you feel about that it's I think you you kind of nailed it. It is sequel bait. It doesn't need to be in this movie. Like, obviously they knew this movie was going to be a success, and I guess that is the culmination of Harry's character in this movie, mm -hmm. right? Like, the last we saw him was facing Peter, realizing that he's Spider-Man. Where does he go from there? I guess it's a natural conclusion. It's very silly, and I, <laughs> I don't care for Harry in these movies. So seeing that it's just like all right whatever we're gonna get it next movie <laughs> i'm not not looking forward to that one but no oh well yeah like it was great seeing willem dafoe again but it, yeah, it's just very odd because like did other movies do that at the time like was there a trend of like, was a Spider-Man 3 a lock at that point? Were they doing that to try and, like, get buzz so they'd greenlight a Spider-Man 3? Or was this a Sony call? I, I just had a lot of questions from that because I was like, this is like some MCU post credit scene stuff <laughs> at the very end of your movie before the yep. actual ending. I was just going to say, if this movie came out this year, it, this scene would firmly be behind stacks of credits. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, this... Mm -hmm this would not be where it was in the film yeah uh well there's honestly so much in this movie that i love and i know i'm forgetting some of the things that i uh thought were standouts last night but is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to bring up before we get into rankings i think you're right there's probably a bunch to discuss uh the one thing that i'll talk about that's kind of silly but amazing is the michael buble spider-man song at the end sure Do you you say for that mm. yeah <sighs> so good i didn't like realize i didn't watch through all the credits until at some point in college 
and I was just watching it with my friend, and we were just sort of talking about the movie as the credits were rolling. And then Michael Bublé comes out and starts singing <laughs> Spider-Man. I was like, no way. No way. It's amazing. It is. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man 2, fantastic movie. Tons of stuff that I'm sure we could talk about <laughs> for another two hours. But uh, when it comes to reviews, let's start with the star ranking first, because I, th- I think that's fun that we've been doing that. Like I said, I gave mm. it five. What, what would you give us on your letterbox? Um, I think I gave it four. Okay. I think I gave it four. The more I talk about it, the more I think this is like a four and a half movie. But mm-hmm. it certainly certainly has its flaws. It's not perfect by any means. So I, I would hover around four or four and a half. Okay, sure. That that seems accurate. You know, it, it's it definitely has its issues. But I think I think the issues in this movie, outside of the Peter and MJ stuff, which I still don't think is good. Um, outside of that the campy cheesy stuff that could be negatives are more charming to me here than they were in the first one where it was charming but it was just so much of it that it was kind of a detractor in some ways i think it retains the feelings and things like that of the first movie but certainly more ironed out and not as in your face being you don't question as many things in this movie in terms of like even the dialogue it's like i guess that's consistent with what the character is saying but the first movie everything sort of jumps out at you being and it's kind of distracting when you're watching the movie mm-hmm. but i i feel like they they did a, a much better job of making sure it felt a little bit more consistent with the the reality that they were presenting in the movie sure so as it stands what is your ranking so far from bottom to top Yes. Uh, bottom to top, number four is Venom. Number three is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Number two is Spider-Man 1. And this is the easiest number one, like, ever. Um, I have a thought of a movie that might top this, but I still think this movie came out, what, 2004? Years later, I, it, it, is, it still hits in the ways uh, it did back then maybe even more so like i said like as i've grown up i've come to appreciate this movie more Mm -hmm. i I think i always liked this as my favorite spider-man but it didn't really feel like my favorite but this is just i think the best spider-man tale on screen that we've had so far um in my opinion in terms of like conveying what it really feels like to be peter parker and spider-man that split between that identity so yeah Mm -hmm. love this movie yeah, I have the exact same ranking. Uh, the reasons for loving Spider-Man 2, as we've discussed, aren't as strong as it being like a definitive or defining Spider-Man story for me. I do love it as a Spider-Man story, but I think there's just other elements as a more general superhero tale that is very impressive um, and cohesive to me. So, yeah, love it. Best one so far. Currently, it is my number one as well. So, last place, Venom. Third place, Let There Be Carnage. Second place, Spider-Man. First place, Spider-Man 2. So, don't have to sweat a discussion about rankings this week. We get, we got a we got a fully unanimous decision on this ranking so far. That's good. Um, and you know what, Christian? I was very excited because... In my head, I was like, sweet, Raimi trilogy is over. <laughs> we're, going, <laughs> we're going to see uh, Andrew Garfield and sort of talk about how 
those movies are may, maybe a little bit underappreciated, but that is not the case. Not yet. We got we got to get religion first, you know. Oh God. Um. So I have our our note pulled up, right? Obviously, we have our Excelsior ranking. We also have our Spidey ranking and our villain ranking. So mm. Toby is still unrivaled at this point. Um, I'll say I like him as Spider Man. Uh, the same, I guess. I I I don't think he's improving as. <laughs> Like, I didn't love the quips in the first movie, but I feel like in this one he didn't even try to do quips. He was just kind of present in his action when he was Spider-Man. Yeah, um, like, he gets a little bit more confidence as Spider-Man, but they don't really show that very much. Yeah, it's like they, it's like they gave up on making him be comedic at all. Right, yeah. So that's a, a downside for me, but I, I do think as Peter, he's a bit more... feels like a real person this time. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, he's he's still number one, and when it comes to villains, our rankings go bottom to top: Riot from Venom One, Carnage from Venom Two, Goblin at number one. Right now, Doc Ock, where is he going? Uh, I would say number one. Yeah, he's right. number one. He's number one. So there you have it. Shout out to the practical effects as well. I'll say that. Yeah, definitely um well jack that is the hump of the spider-man raimi trilogy we still got the slog (laughs) but uh until next week when we do talk spider-man 3 where can the agents of excelsior find you sure you can follow me on social media at fascinated jack what about you christian you can follow me on twitter tiktok twitch at chun2d2 youtube.com slash joyclicks for video content uh the video version of excelsior you can also probably see me talk about whatever happens at dc fandom in some capacity on the youtube channel in the coming days uh if you want the audio version of this show you can check it out on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google play whatever service you enjoy using rating and reviewing on your platform of choice would be very appreciated because it helps us show out a ton helps us reach more people we greatly appreciate it and if you want to interact with us, you can find the show at ExcelsiorJC on Twitter. Our schedule for our movie rewatch and ranking series is up there, along with whenever a new episode posts. If you don't have notifications on, you can check out tweets, see when new episodes go up. And if you want to support the show even further, patreon.com joyclicks is where you can go at the $1 and $5 tiers. $5 tier will give you producer credit on this show and every show we do, like Aaron Easton and Charles Applin. So thank you very much, and that is the best spider-man movie so far feels good feels good does feel good and for realsies it's pizza time i got some pizza downstairs so dude me too it's pizza time yeah it's pizza time excelsior excelsior